Welcome back to the latest episode of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. As always, I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I was joined this week by 3rd District Kansas City, Missouri City Councilman Jermaine Reed. We talk about his connections to the Northeast, including as a graduate of Northeast High School, Kansas City Public School Superintendent Dr. Mark Bedell, and the job he's done with that district. Then we talk briefly about Black Panther before discussing the city's Ban the Box legislation, which Reed championed. We also touch on the recently approved Memorandum of Understanding with Edgemore for the construction of a new single terminal airport at KCI, how the city should spend the one cents sales tax passed by voters in April 2017 for Eastside Economic Development, the possibility of getting an Independence Avenue Max Line, the latest regarding the Parks Department's organizational review of the American Jazz Museum, and finally, we talk about the economic development potential surrounding the Major League Baseball Urban Youth Academy, which was recently completed just outside of the 18th and Vine District. Without further ado, my conversation with 3rd District Kansas City, Missouri Councilman Jermaine Reed. Thank you for listening. All right, it's Paul Thompson up at City Hall, uh, sitting right next to Jermaine Reed, 3rd District Councilman. Thanks for taking the time today. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's always good to be able to chat with you and, of course, the folks who listen. Uh, yeah, there we go. As well, the Hopefully there's many of them in the Northeast. Well, you listen. know, I can tell you, this one's going to break some barrier, break some uh, records. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to yeah, be we'll good. we to keep you updated. we got a lot to discuss. <laughs> now, now I'm feeling the pressure. <laughs> Speaking of the Northeast, I just wanted yes, to sir. start right there because you have, obviously have deep ties to the Northeast community. As a graduate from Northeast High School, right? Yeah. Uh, I graduated from high school, and Carl DeCapo would uh, remind me to say you were the class president of Northeast High School. Right. Uh, you got to put so, that feather in your cap. you got to yeah. let's remind people, right? And we're here. So my office here, there's several pictures uh, from actually graduating from high school and just uh, in high school. You know, I remember uh, picking uh, Northeast uh, from middle school because I went to Jay Rogers from middle school. So you had your, your choice? Yeah, and at that time there were uh, there was magnet school themes and mm-hmm. so Northeast was a, a law and public service and so a, mili- uh, a lot of folks that were going there were thinking about going off to the military and things of that sort mm-hmm. and uh, you know I at that time as a young kid thought perhaps I would be a lawyer or some type of public servant in some type of um, capacity and Go figure. Mm-hmm. So now, twenty years later, uh, of course, I am uh, uh, actually not twenty years because we haven't I graduated. Yeah, not quite twenty years. Yeah, so, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to age myself too too much uh, just yet. Right. But that's the reason why, and um, probably one of the best decisions that uh, I remember making as a as a youngster. And frankly, I mean, it just I, I ran track in school, uh, and so the the uh, Cliff Drive area we we had to run over there. Uh, Independence Avenue. I probably shouldn't admit to this, but sometimes I would go out and have lunch. All right. Ooh, uh, sneak out. I didn't say. I didn't say sneak out. I said, I I said that. Yeah, right, lunch. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would go eat lunch on Independence Avenue. Only, only Avenue. Oh, yeah. You don't have to say whether or not it was the weekday or the weekends. I guess I, I didn't mean to infer otherwise. And, and, and of course, you know, just sometimes even taking public transportation to school. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of fond memories and great memories of uh, Northeast and. Uh, my family lived not too far um, in a number of different uh, neighborhoods in the Northeast, and so uh, I don't live too far from there now. Right. Awesome. And have you followed the work that's being done in that district by Superintendent Mark Bedell and his staff? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, what do you think? I mean, based on where he's going, I, I would imagine that you take a little bit of a, a keen interest in seeing how KCPS is doing, is doing being a graduate from there. 
Well, heck, let me just start from just building improvements at Northeast High School. Right, right. that field. Uh, and actually, if you go into the school, mm-hmm. and if you haven't been there in a while, there's some emblems that hang, I think, the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're emblems that say 2002. And so when we graduated uh, <laughs> from Northeast, uh, you know, we wanted to represent what our class was all about. Right. Pride and, uh, you know, Ben Vikings. You know, my freshman year at Northeast, uh, as we talk about just building improvements there, you know, we didn't have air conditioning inside the school. Really? And so, you know, uh, freshmen, I don't think the entire time. Right. And so sometimes we would have what they were called heat days. And so we wouldn't have class because it was too hot. If it was uh, what, a heat in, day. In September or <laughs> yeah, that late August sometimes yeah, you get out? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so, um, so, yeah, but I mean, just from those basic improvements there and, of course, the opening back up of uh, the middle school and uh, just uh, the the real leadership that uh, Dr. Burdell has been able to provide to the school district has been something that I think all of us as a community should be proud of uh, because at the end of the day, uh, sometimes folks talk about uh, public school and they say it's good for those kids but right. not good enough for their kids. Right. And so it's important to be able to make sure that it's good for all of us because we're all uh, neighbors and friends in, in, in the uh, city and we should be able to have a decent uh, school and uh, an education that uh, our kids are able to, to, to receive. And so I'm, I'm proud of the work that they're doing just again from across the board. So. Right. And I've, uh, you know, and having had a few opportunities to meet with Dr. Bedell and talk to him about his vision. He's the kind of guy that kind of makes you want to run through a brick wall sometimes. When uh, you know, he just—he's—he's uh, he's a pretty inspiring guy. He's got an inspiring story, and I think he's uh, putting that district in a, in a good spot. He and I share a lot in common, and um, I'm, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm—I I appreciate him so much because, again, when I talk about what is good for them versus uh, for our own kids, he's someone right. who. Uh, is walking the talk, yeah. um, and because his own kids actually even attend the schools, right? Yeah, uh, that he's the superintendent of. Yeah, and uh, Lincoln Prep, that hasn't happened very often. Yeah, and I think uh, his younger uh, kids attend like Border Stars. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Wrote, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I mean they're part of the district. He could probably have choose to send them to another uh, uh, district or so. But I mean the optics the person, might not have been great. But yeah, I, yeah but I mean, but we've seen cool that happen. That. Yeah. You know, in years past right. type thing. So, but to, to make sure that you you know. It's good for if it's good for the kids that I'm uh, been the superintendent for. It's good enough for my kids, and um, for that, you know, I, I applaud him and his family um, for their commitment to Kansas City. They certainly have um, embraced our Kansas City community greatly. And uh, I saw him at the movies the other day, really? uh, seeing Black Panther. What'd you and, think? Uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was pretty uh, <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> I thought it was great, but it was cool to run into him, and we had a good conversation. Right. And I was actually going into the movies as they were coming out, so they were probably pretty uh, excited. Then <laughs> they they were they were, and we all had on our uh, attire that we decided we would wear. I didn't have any uh, didn't African have any attire, yeah, but yeah. I had a shirt that says uh, "Black in America" that I received there we go. back in like. 2006 or so and so um, I think I could turn this entire conversation into a Black Panther review but I think maybe I, we'll I can talk about whatever <laughs> yeah. you like I, I, <laughs> now that we got you in a room right you're, you're with us now um, we should do this more often yeah there we go this we is, got a this lot is called Jermaine Reed number one there we go uh, then we'll come back and do uh, conversation with the councilman. It'll be a recurring two. segment, right? Yeah. Boom. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> I'll, let's shift gears now to your work at City Hall. And okay. I appreciate the uh, the open discussion about KCPS and Black Panther. But um, <laughs> I, one of the things that one of the most recent items that you were able to push through in some capacity was the the ban the box legislation. Can you maybe talk about why that was important for you and 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 what that will do 
moving yeah. forward? So in 2013, uh, the city of Kansas City, Missouri, uh, under my leadership, we adopted Ban the Box uh, for city applications. Right, for city employees. And city employees. And so anyone, of course, that uh, would come in, and it's interesting because people say, what is Ban a Box? Mm-hmm. You know, it simply removes the uh, question of if you have ever been convicted of a felony from an application. That's all it does. It lets people the question. essentially be judged on their merits. Correct. Right. And that doesn't take away, and I think sometimes uh, people think, oh, well, wait a minute, we're not going to do background checks? Yes, background checks actually still occur. Right. It just takes away that uh, first phase of going in, filling out an application, and saying, uh, you know, I want to be able to uh, apply for this job. Mm-hmm. And someone who has, you know, some sort of uh, conviction, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've been charged right. um, or, or for wrongfully doing something. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it could be some charge that's, you know, nearly five, ten years old right. that uh, meant nothing. You know, right. um, you know, perhaps a youngster doing something bad and got in trouble and it's still on your record. Right. Uh, so, the, But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, be able to go in and state what your uh, record is and then uh, uh, have the post offer stage uh, where they say, hey, we found these items in mm-hmm. your background. Could you explain this one way or the other? Right. And then, of course, the employer can make that decision. So the city of Kansas City, Missouri in 2013 has been leading that path. And under my leadership, uh, I felt it appropriate, along with uh, Moore Square and several faith leaders in our community, um, to make sure that we could expand our efforts and uh, ban the box. And so the policy, as I mentioned, just removing the criminal history question from application for employment and housing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we introduced it. Uh, it had several different uh, co-sponsors from my colleagues on the city council, uh, which I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, but uh, we also understand that those who have criminal work records, they suffer from discrimination uh, in many areas of their life, if it's employment, if it's housing, education, um, social benefits, or whatever it might be. And so we wanted to make sure that uh, we could remove it, ask employers in our entire city to give them a chance, uh, and people um, that they represent a very good group of uh, job seekers who already have contributed and added to our workforce. Uh, there's been a lot of research that actually even sh- has shown that there is a direct correlation between recidivism and unemployment, and people who are le- uh, uh, who are employed, we know, are significantly less likely to be reoffenders uh, from any of their. Um, Problems, And so we wanted to do everything we possibly could to, to expand it. And uh, thankfully, a few weeks ago uh, at City Hall, it was uh, approved. And so it will now be in place uh, six months from now. So that's probably from this when this was approved back um, earlier, earlier uh, this year. Right. Uh, it would uh, now uh, actually, and that was January the 25th. Right. Uh, now, I remember correctly. Yeah. <laughs> it was approved. So in yeah, six months uh, back in June. Uh, excuse me, we'll fast forward to June. Right. Uh, this is when uh, we will be able to see this go into full effect uh, throughout the entire city. And so anyone that is going in to fill out an application, they will um, hopefully not have that question on their application, right. even if they're uh, applying for housing right. as well. It's kind and of if a they subconscious thing in a way, too. If you see that box on a resume, 
you're not going to want, you know, you, it might deter you from Absolutely. from applying or for housing or for a job saying, oh, this is yeah. going to come up so, right so away. I, I, I would go so far to say that anyone that hasn't lived uh, or who, who's lived with the silver spoon in their mouth, they mm. wouldn't understand this. Right. Right. Uh, but if you have had some challenges one way or the other, you would understand that there is that stigma that is attached to um, going in and, and having to fill out that application and saying, look, they're not going to hire me anyway. It's an anxiety inducer, too, I think, right? right? You walk in there and it's like, they're going to hire yeah, me. They won't hire you me. Know, yeah. I'm going to go work at the local McDonald's, or right. heck, I'm going to try to go down and work at this local uh, firm that I thought was, I heard was hiring. You right, know, right. I'm going over and apply at the local grocery store, right. but I got to check that box. Right. They're not going to hire me. Right. There's got to be that concern. People want to be productive citizens of our community, and uh, we should allow them that opportunity. Right. And I, I think what you hear, if you were at that, meeting where it was discussed in committee, there's a lot of powerful testimony from people who maybe were incarcerated themselves or work with those who had been incarcerated speaking to that point, right? There, there's no yep. greater deterrent to violent crime than a job, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I would finally say, I mean, again, in the legislation, it does not prevent employers from considering past criminal uh, crimes or uh, previous convictions or of a crime directly related to a job function. Um, you know, we're not trying to advocate for someone um, who has been convicted of a sex crime or a sex offender to work at a daycare facility. We're just advocating for people uh, to do uh, and provide opportunities for those in our community who uh, want to be able to return back into the community one way or the other and get a decent job so that they can be productive citizens in the city. Right. Perfect. And I also wanted to ask you about the Memorandum of Understanding with Edgemore which was even more recently passed by the council after, I, I guess I would categorize it a, uh, a heated, I don't know if heated is the right word, but it was, a, you know, it, was a, it was a substantial debate about that MOU. That it seemed like there was a chance in December where, uh, at least at one point, it was rejected, came back in a different form. I think most agree that it's, it's a little more substantial now than it was then even. But I wanted to ask you specifically, now that that important milestone has been reached, can you talk about how much outside pressure was on the council as that vote closed in? Uh, well, you, you, you've um, asked a mouthful. So I know, me, that's a lot, right? Let, let's try to maybe back up here and uh, kind of go back to the, to, to the final question that you just asked. So, you know, I, I would characterize um, the discussion for the um, MOU among the city council as one has uh, been very robust mm -hmm. and uh, something that uh, requires uh, a level of attention that it uh, that a billion dollar project that it, it received mm -hmm. uh, a great level of attention uh, from my peers and I think that everyone on the city council should be applauded for uh, their due diligence throughout mm -hmm. this process. Uh, we are very clear uh, in terms of the 75% of the city voters who sent us, I believe, a resounding mandate to say that um, we want to have a world-class airport mm -hmm. for a world-class city. Right. And back in November of 2017, we, we heard that message loud and clear. And uh, throughout that process, it's there are a number of sort of um, dotted, uh, a number of uh, I's that have to be dotted mm -hmm. and T's that have to be crossed. Sure. Um, due diligence. Right. You can call that <laughs> due diligence. <laughs> and I can tell you uh, it makes me extreme, extremely proud to serve on a council with people who certainly uh, did 
their due diligence. Um, we don't always have to agree with each other, but I'm a strong subscriber of that we must talk uh, with each other instead of at each other. Right. And when we're able to talk with each other, we're able to come up with uh, solutions that are uh, proactive instead of us being reactive. And so, of course, a couple of weeks ago, the council approving the MOU 8 to 5 mm -hmm. uh, and authorizing the city manager to start with the uh, MOU uh, with Edgemore, uh, which of course is a Baltimore-based company mm -hmm. um, for our Kansas City International Terminal Airport Modernization Project, um, I really think sends a very clear sign to uh, us that the citizens of the city wanted the world-class airport, and they wanted it to be done in a manner that was transparent and that would make all of us proud. And so I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, this was a one of – a malicious intent or a bunch of outside pressure one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, I think that all of us were from six areas of this city. Right. Um, so that's from the, the north to the south to the east to the west. And uh, there's a number of constituents that we represent, over half a million people in Kansas City proper. And it's important that their voices and their concerns are actually heard. And so uh, I do believe, though, that the yes, that uh, the, the uh, in moving forward uh, with this project means that it's yes to thousands more construction-related jobs. Uh, I believe that uh, a yes means uh, that there are tens of millions of dollars that will be created with new contracts. Uh, yes, uh, to a big inf infusion of uh, economic growth within our local economy. Uh, yes, to new employment opportunities for more people working in our neighborhoods, in our entire metro, uh, south, east, north, west, as I mentioned before. And then the new momentum, of course, that it's going to continue to leverage to important city projects like our downtown convention hotel, our the expansion of the streetcar, our uh, the rebuilding of neighborhoods and the community benefit agreements and making it better for all of us in Kansas City to be more prosperous place to live, uh, work, visit, uh, and, and play. Okay. Was was there ever a moment where, where you were concerned that the Edgemore deal might fall through as, as it was presented? I was always cautiously optimistic. And I don't think you ever walk into this situation on, on any issue uh, that we have to deal with overly confident. Right, you can't uh, get you cocky. Have to, yeah, I mean, you have to convince um, 12 other people mm -hmm. to agree with the things that uh, you're working on. Uh, and you have 12 uh, different, uh, very um, uh, boisterous, big uh, personalities. Mm -hmm. And so how do you uh, handle that uh, is an important a way to go forward and uh, so I've always uh, with every project not just this one and mm -hmm. I've been on the council for seven years uh, been very cautiously optimistic approaching every uh, uh, thing that we we have to to, to deal with well, you seem like someone who, who legitimately enjoys politics, and hopefully I'm not misrepresenting that, but I think back to the city's minimum wage debate from March 2017. You know, There was this confusing vote on the ordinance. Mayor James initially thought it failed, and that left you and I, among others, scrambling to the city clerk's office to re-examine the video to make sure that it did indeed pass. It was kind of... That was called fun times. Fun times, yeah. That's what I was. It was kind of. It was kind of fun. It was sort of it's exciting. A trip down memory lane, and you seem to kind of revel in that <laughs> moment. Uh, but what, what is it besides helping people that that draws you to politics? Well, I think kind of uh, as we started talking about earlier in our discussion uh, today, you know, from just growing up in this city 
and this stuff sometimes makes me emotional, so I try not to, to go there. But, feel uh, free to if you need uh, to. <laughs> but, I, I mean, just growing up in this city and this uh, community, um, you know, I've been always active uh, in, in, in all sectors of, uh, of the city, and it's something that's always kind of drawn me mm-hmm. to uh, do what it is that I'm doing today. When I went off to college to the University of Missouri, Columbia, um, I knew what I wanted to major in, and that was, of course, political science. I have a master's degree in uh, public administration. Uh, But most times people go off to college and they start picking a degree, and it's like, well, I think I'm going to do this. Uh, Then I'm going to change this or that. (laughs) I've always kind of been focused and driven, uh, but that's because of... Uh, mentors that uh, I've met along the way, uh, my own personal family uh, that have uh, really helped, um, I think, uh, motivate my own personal drive and determination and the grit that uh, I have every day to kind of get up and uh, make a difference. And um, I'll never forget, you know, people often ask me, well, what is one of your fondest memories of uh, being on the city council? Mm -hmm. And if I were to ask you that question, what do you think I would say? Well, now I feel like I'd be wrong if I said it. But yeah, you're going to be. I yeah, can assure you. I would say probably something like passing the geo bond stuff would be big. This airport MOU, I think, would have to be somewhere near the top. But yeah, uh, you know, tell pe- me the answer. Pe- people say Reed will lead, but that is not the answer. Oh well, yeah. My fondest memory of being on the city council has been um, walking in the World Series parade. Oh, right. And that and it goes back to the core of your question, mm-hmm. and that is the true essence of our city was, I think, seen from so many different levels that day mm-hmm. that it will always stand out in my mind as one of the best days of my life. Because, yes, while we were celebrating the World Series team and we had a, a nice World Series trophy, mm-hmm. uh, but it was that sense of community, that sense of um, 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 helping your, your your fellow brother, your fellow sister, mm-hmm. uh, that sense of pride that we had to, to be KC, right. uh, where everybody was walking around with KC on their shirt, everybody walking around and representing yeah. their neighborhood, and everybody walking around and, you know, slapping fives and kissing babies and, <laughs> and having a good time and right. just celebrating. Right. But that sense of community uh, is what drives me every single day to try to give uh, what I possibly can to um, the city, uh, my community, uh, that I was born and raised in. And I want to continue to make that uh, difference um, uh, as much as I, and long as I possibly can. Cool. Good answer. On the council or not on the council. Right. Um, Yeah, good answer. And I think uh, plenty of Kansas Cityans would agree that that day is among their favorite as well because that was a pretty special moment. I also wanted to ask you about the sales tax that was approved by Kansas City, Missouri voters in April of 2017. That one is for – it's going to raise roughly $8.6 million annually over the next 10 years for projects on the east side. How would you like to see those funds spent if you had a magic wand with them? <laughs> well, um, of course, there is a geographic area that uh, the 1-8 cent sales tax uh, is, is covering, and I believe that um, it is um, – it, it is one in which we as a community should also have a sense of pride. I think that many individuals who live um, 
um, East of Truce feel like we're often forgotten, and sure. I often cringe when I start hearing people refer to our communities as sides, right. uh, because uh, with over East Side, uh, West Side, yeah, we're 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 not that. You know, we 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 are when our neighborhoods are strong, uh, when the Northeast is strong, uh, when the folks in Southtown are strong, uh, when the folks uh, who live in Brookside are strong, when the folks who lived in the Northland are strong. This entire damn city is strong, mm-hmm. and excuse my language, but uh, uh, that, right. that's how I feel. And and so um, we can handle it. You, you can still use that too. You don't have to erase it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but but back to the one eight cent sales tax. I mean, we we will be able to see, and I think uh, the importance of that comment is that um, the entire city had to vote on that. Right. And it's just like they did with the with the zoo, the tax for the zoo, sure. uh, several years ago. Everyone feels that there's a sense of uh, ownership and mm-hmm. being able to improve portions of our community that sometimes may not uh, receive it. And so if I had a magic wand that I would uh, wave, I, I would continue to make sure that we're investing as we already are along the Prospect Corridor, mm-hmm. uh, continue to make sure that we're investing in some of the neighborhoods that uh, potentially will need some new housing and some other areas uh, of our community. Uh, there's some uh, new business growth that uh, needs to continue happening. And so I think a, a, a number of things um, – are, are taking place uh, that we've got to continue to enhance. And over the next 10 years, um, you know, when we look down the line, I'm hopeful uh, that without naming Pacific projects, uh, probably smart, which I don't want to do, which <laughs> right. I'm avoiding. <laughs> yeah. uh, some folks will talk your ear off and, and, and won't say or right. admit what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah, I can respect that. <laughs> at, least, at least you're admitting it. And so, but, but I would hope that in 10 years though, I, is that, you know, we'll, we'll, We'll say we're proud of the investment that uh, we made uh, with the one cent sales tax, and, and it uh, has helped leverage even uh, further since sales tax right. uh, in other uh, ways in our in our city. Right, and for those in the Northeast who think, well, that doesn't really affect me too much. Yeah, actually, a portion of that that uh, yep. border goes all the way down to I think Independence and Prospect. It does, or close to that. So it does touch on the Northeast, and um, with with that kind of money over ten year period. It's likely that the Northeast, especially as you mentioned, the Prospect Corridor right there, goes through. The, it's the heart of the Northeast. It connects 18th and Vine to the sort of Northeast. So. Well, and also, I mean, you got to keep in mind that our next work of what we're doing is, of course, trying to make sure that we have a uh, Independence Max and uh, someone who has used the um, public transportation here in town. Uh, I'm intimately familiar uh, with it, and uh, so I know I know that how beneficial that would be along the uh, Independence Corridor. Cool. And I guess in a semi-related note, I wanted to ask about the the status of some of the work being done in the historic 18th and Vine Jazz District. I know in October of 2017, the council approved a $225,000 cash infusion for the Jazz Museum to kind of help keep those doors open. I think you said at the time that it was – you kind of spearheaded that in a lot of ways. It seemed like there was a memo that you passed around. You said that it was abundantly clear that business as usual – is not sufficient related specifically to that. And, a, and an organizational review is currently underway with the results expected by May 1st. But do you have any updates on, on the well, status? You thing? know, I told you, listen, we're going to call your uh, podcast today, uh, Read Will Lead. Yeah. And this is uh, phase one uh, of the interview. We're going to have to come back and do more. Right, I know. Uh, I'm asking but, big questions, I know. Well, no, but I think the reality of it is is that, uh, again, these 
are all projects that I have worked uh, diligently to make sure that we're enhancing. Mm -hmm. uh, in the 18th and Vine area, I believe that it is uh, when we start asking what's next about mm -hmm. our city, uh, 18th and Vine is that. We could start talking about one light, two light, three light, what have you. Right. But I think we must be talking about the light that shines on 18th and Vine so bright mm -hmm. across this entire world that all of us, when we start talking about uh, Kansas City, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. It doesn't matter where you are in this world. And if someone knows something about Kansas City, the first question they're going to ask you is, hey, something about 18th and Vine. Or, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to think about that song, uh, uh, going to Kansas City. Uh, or maybe they know gonna, about the Negro Leagues they're, Museum. They're going to know about baseball. Right. They're going to know about jazz. Mm -hmm. And they're definitely going to know about barbecue. Right. And so I consider it a very authentic piece of our Kansas City history. I feel like it is en engraved in the fabric of who we are. And it's important that we uh, not only preserve it, but we also enhance it. And so that's why the city's investment uh, under my leadership and making sure that we could secure uh, the $27 million uh, for the project and try to move it forward. Um, uh, we have aggressively been working through that in a phased approach. Uh, we are getting ready to approach the second phase um, of the project, the first phase, which was $7 million, uh, and then the uh, second phase, of course, which is uh, $10 million. Mm -hmm. uh, those phases include a number of things from the purchasing of property to the uh, preservation of historic uh, areas to um, uh, making sure that we can make some improvements with our streetscapes uh, along the corridor uh, in the 18th and Vine area. Uh, and then, of course, uh, with some of the uh, over 20, excuse me, over 32 businesses that we have in the area, mm -hmm. been able to attract and also retain new businesses has been one of the key uh, things that we've been working toward. Uh, and so uh, you asked, of course, about the American Jazz Museum as well. And that um, we, of course, have um, uh, a real piece of Kansas City history there uh, mm -hmm. that is pretty much a city-owned museum. Right. And uh, we... Uh, and it uh, might literally so, become a city-owned museum, right, yeah. as of May, well, we, it, depending when, on how when, this thing shakes the, out? When the uh, study is completed, uh, we will... Um, review the recommendations and proceed accordingly to, to what has been recommended uh, from us. Of course, some of their challenges over the past couple of years have been um, documented, uh, certainly in print and media mm -hmm. across the board, uh, but I also think they serve as a, a real unique opportunity to for us to uh, really move the museum uh, forward in a different direction. But mm -hmm. I also think that even you think about the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, mm -hmm. heck, we're getting ready to celebrate 100 years of really? the signing of the Negro Leagues Baseball, which was signed right in the YMCA building there at uh, Paseo. And so the that, Buck O'Neill YMCA? Yep, yeah, yeah, Buck O'Neill YMCA. They, yeah. they signed that document 100 years ago to incorporate the game of baseball wow. right there in that building. And so um, it's important that we, um, as a community, uh, be sure to continue to embrace it. And uh, it is one of five entertainment areas in this entire city, and it should be treated uh, just the same, and it shouldn't be treated as a second-class um, museum or, or uh, entertainment area uh, in the city. Oh, and I'll let you go here in a sec, I promise, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the potential impact there of the Urban Youth Academy. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, thank you. The uh, baseball fields for youth. I mean, that's, well, that's huge. $19 million of an investment, and let me say a huge thanks to the Kansas City Royals 
um, and Major League Baseball for their commitment to youth in our community. We are one of seven in the entire country, mm-hmm. and uh, we will be offering free baseball to kids in our community for the next 20 years, mm-hmm. free. All people have to do is take their kids down there, sign up. When those gates are open, take yourselves down there. And, and it's a world-class up. facility. I mean, world it's class. awesome. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you will be able to learn so many different aspects of um uh, the game of baseball if you just want to be a bat boy if you just want to learn how to uh, hit appropriately or what have you uh, you'll be able to 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 learn the game of baseball and so um, I'm proud of what that uh, will represent I'm proud of the partnership that uh, we have been able to forge as a as a city council uh, with Mayor James's leadership uh, and, and really been one of the uh, persons who have advocated greatly for the project uh, because the reality of it is is that, as you've uh, mentioned, it is going to uh, really enhance what 18th and Vine actually is. And if you think about it, uh, you go back to that history and folks like Satchel Paige or Buck O'Neill or uh, uh, Jackie Robinson or any others who mm-hmm. learned and perfected their game of baseball mm-hmm. um, on those very fields where young cool. people will be playing mm-hmm. uh, and learning. I believe that that hollow ground that they're going to be on, uh, those old players, uh, and is going to you're going to be you're going to be able to fill it, right. and we're going to be able to have the next Jackie Robinson a hundred years from now. Right. Start right there on 18th of Vine. Cool. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. I think everybody's looking forward to that field, and I do appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today. Uh, it was a cool conversation, so thanks hey, for your time. Hey, look forward to it. I look forward to coming back uh, yeah, for another too, conversation right? with the councilman. All right, take it easy. You heard it there from 3rd District Councilman Jermaine Reed. Looks like he's eager and willing to come back and do another episode of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. In the meantime, we'll keep plugging away on new episodes of the podcast, which you can find at northeastnews.net under our podcast tab. Once again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and continuing to read all of our content about the historic Northeast and the community at large. Until next time, this is Paul Thompson, signing out.